Lesson 2 of Private Sex Advice to Women This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dr. Beth Thomas Private Sex Advice to Women by R. B. Armitage Lesson 2 Anatomy of the Female Sex Organism Every woman should be given plain, practical, sane, sensible instruction concerning the sex organism of women, its functions, its laws, its use, and its abuse. This important feature of the physical organism plays an all-powerful part in the life of every woman, and particularly in the life of the married woman. It is nature's mechanism for the reproduction of the race. Every child that is born into the world is conceived, gestated, and finally delivered as a result of the functioning of this organism therefore such instruction and knowledge is vitally necessary not only for the intelligent performance of the duties of parenthood but also for the best interests of race preservation race culture and the physical well-being and health of the individual woman and yet custom and ancient prejudice have drawn the veil over this most important subject so that it is difficult for the average woman to find practical clean information concerning her own anatomy and physiological functions concerned with her sex life to many it has appeared that the particular organs and parts of the body concerned with the reproductive functions of the woman are base unclean and impure and that any woman discussing them or seeking information regarding them must be immoral or at least not respectable anatomical charts and physiological treatises on the subject are tabooed outside of the doctor's office women are considered immodest if they seek to acquaint themselves with the facts of life concerning one of their most important classes of physical functions it is considered not nice for a young woman to know anything about her physical being in those phases which play the most important part in her life can there be anything more ridiculous and insane this is a matter which excites the most intense surprise disgust and despair in the average person possessing a scientific tendency but the dawn is breaking and a better day is ahead of the race concerning these things the sex organs of the woman are divided into two classes as follows one the external organs and two the internal organs let us consider each of these classes in turn the external sex organs of the woman are as follows the mons veneris the labia majora the labia minora the clitoris the meatus urinarius and the vaginal orifice the term the vulva is applied to the external sex organs of the woman in general but more particularly to the labia majora and the labia minora the larger and smaller lips respectively the term vulva is the latin term meaning folding doors the mons veneris is the fatty eminence or elevation just above the other external organs which forms a mount from which its name literally the mount of venus is derived at puberty it becomes covered with hair the labia majora are the large outer lips or folds of skin which enclose the vaginal orifice and which are situated just below the mons veneris the labia minora are the small inner lips or folds of membrane which are concealed within the labia majora or outer lips and are seen only when the latter are parted the clitoris is a small organ about an inch in length situated at the upper part of the labia minora or inner lips and usually being partly or wholly covered by the upper borders thereof at its extremity it has a small rounded enlargement which is extremely sensitive and excitable and which is the principal seat of sensation in the woman's sexual organism the meatus urinarius is the orifice of the urethra of the woman the purpose of which is to afford an exit for the urine it is located about an inch below the clitoris and just above the vaginal orifice 
it is a common error among uninformed women that the urine passes out through the vagina but this of course is incorrect as the two canals and their respective orifices are entirely separate from each other although situated closely together the vaginal orifice is the outer entrance to the vagina or vaginal canal or channel this orifice is located just below the meatus urinarius in the virgin it is usually partly closed by what is known as the hymen vulgarly known as the maidenhead although in many cases the latter is absent even in the case of young girl infants it was formerly regarded as an infallible sign of virginity and its absence was regarded as proof that virginity was lacking but this old superstition is passing away for science has shown that the hymen is often absent even in the case of young children and infants and on the other hand is sometimes present after several years of married life and even during pregnancy much unhappiness has been caused in some cases where the husband has doubted the virginity of his wife because of the absence of the hymen but consultation with a capable physician usually removes this misunderstanding the hymen is a membranous fold sometimes circular in shape with an opening in the centre though in other cases it extends only across the lower part of the orifice the opening in the centre is for the purpose of allowing the menstrual blood and the other secretions of uterus and vagina to flow through in a few cases this opening is absent the hymen being what is called imperforate in which case the girl experiences difficulty when menstruation begins and a physician is required to make a slit or opening in it in some girls and women the hymen is quite tough while in others it is very thin and easily broken in the latter cases the young girl frequently breaks the membrane during vigorous exercise such as jumping rope etc and as has before been said in some cases infant girls are born without even a trace of the hymen under the circumstances it is seen that the presence or absence of the hymen is far from being an infallible proof of the presence or absence of virginity and the belief in the same is now regarded as almost a superstition of the past the internal sex organs of the woman are as follows the vagina the uterus and its appendages the fallopian tubes the ovaries and their ligaments and the round ligaments the vagina is the canal or channel leading from the vaginal orifice to the uterus or womb it is situated in front of the rectum and behind the bladder in length it averages from three to five inches and it curves upward and backward reaching to the lower part of the neck of the womb or uterus which part of the neck is enclosed by it it is a strong fibromuscular structure lined with mucous membrane and is not smooth inside but is arranged in inner folds or rings which are capable of great extension on either side of the vagina near the outer orifice are two small glands about the size of a pea which secrete a peculiar fluid and which are known as the glands of bartholin the office of the vagina is that of a complementary to the male organ during the copulative process to also sustain the weight of the uterus to also afford a passage for the infant at the time of its birth and also to serve as a passage for the menstrual fluid the uterus or womb is the internal sex organ of the woman which serves to hold the fertilized ovum or egg from the time of impregnation during the period of pregnancy during which the ovum develops into the young child and until the time of the delivery of the child the uterus is a hollow pear-shaped muscular organ about three inches in length nearly an inch thick and about two inches broad across its upper part or fundus the lower part or cervix being much narrower the cervix or neck of the womb projects into the vagina forming the os uteri or mouth of the womb at that point the uterus is composed chiefly of a muscular coat its walls consisting of strong muscular fibres which contract independently of the will as do similar muscles in the stomach and bladder these muscular walls are capable of enormous distension during pregnancy the muscles of the healthy womb are capable of a tremendous pressure and resistance and are capable of expelling the child with but slight labour at the time of delivery 
the uterus is located just behind and slightly above the bladder and is supported by eight ligaments which in a healthy condition hold it firmly and easily in place displacements of the uterus are due to the weakening or relaxing of some or all of these ligaments generally caused by general weakness or else by excessive physical exercise or labor the principal displacements of the uterus are as follows prolapsus or lowering of the womb in the vagina antroversion or the bending forward of the womb antiflexion or the doubling up of the womb forward on itself retroversion or the bending backward of the womb and retroflexion or the doubling up of the womb backward on itself extreme degrees of the last four mentioned forms of displacement often interfere with impregnation the internal surface of the uterus is lined with mucous membrane thickly studded with minute hair-like cells which manifest continuous motion this motion in the lower part of the womb is in the direction of the fundus or upper part of the womb in the upper part of the womb the motion is in the opposite direction the purpose of these opposing movements being to carry the male elements toward that portion of the womb into which the fallopian tubes discharge the products of the ovaries as we shall see presently the uterus is supplied with follicles around its neck which secrete a very firm adhesive mucous substance which serves as a gate or door across the mouth of the womb during the period of pregnancy and which also serves to prevent the accidental displacement of the ovum or egg during and just after menstruation the uterus becomes enlarged and more vascular during pregnancy it largely increases in weight after delivery it resumes its normal size but the cavity is larger than before conception in old age it becomes atrophied and denser in structure the fallopian tubes are the ducts of the ovaries and serve to convey the ova or eggs from the ovaries to the cavity in the uterus they are two in number one on each side each tube being about four inches in length they extend from either side of the fundus of the womb through the broad ligaments which hold them and the ovaries in position until they communicate with the ovaries they are lined with a membrane composed of the same kind of peculiar hair-like cells which are found in the lining of the womb the purpose in this case being to urge forward the ova or eggs toward the uterus at the ovarian end of the tubes the latter expand into a fringed trumpet-shaped extremity the fringe being known as the fimbria the tubes are only about one sixteenth of an inch in diameter and their small calibre makes it easy for them to clog up as the result of slight inflammation or to become clogged up or sealed at their mouths or openings thus causing sterility or inability of the woman to conceive if the tubes are clogged or sealed up it is of course impossible for the ova or eggs to reach the uterus the ovaries are the two oval-shaped bodies lying one on either side of the uterus in them the ova or eggs are formed they are each about one and a half inches long about one inch wide and about one half an inch thick in addition to their attachment to the broad ligament they are held in position by folds or ligaments running to the fundus of the uterus and to the fimbriated extremities of the fallopian tubes the ovaries are covered by a dense firm coating which encloses a soft fibrous tissue abundantly supplied with blood vessels which is called the stroma embedded in the mesh-like tissue of the stroma are found small round transparent vesicles in various stages of development known as the graphian follicles which are lined with a layer of peculiar granular cells these graphian follicles are the receptacles or sacs which contain the ova or eggs which constitute the female reproductive germ each vesicle contains a single ovum or egg summary from the foregoing it is seen that we may enumerate the sex organs of a woman as follows proceeding from the external to the internal organism first the mons veneris or prominent eminence above the more important external sex organs then the labia majora or large outer lips or folds which are plainly discernible to the ordinary view 
then the labia minora or smaller inner lips or folds and the clitoris or small sensitive organ and the meatus urinarius or urinary orifice all of which are discernible only when the folds of the labia majora are parted or opened then proceeding upward and backward from the vaginal orifice we find the vagina or channel or canal leading to the uterus or womb then we find the uterus or womb at the upper end of the canal or channel of the vagina then extending from either side of the uterus or womb we find these two important sets of organs known as the fallopian tubes and the ovaries respectively the ovaries discharge their ova or eggs into the fallopian tubes from whence they are conveyed to the uterus or womb which with the tubes are connected and into which they open at its upper and large end the pelvis is that bony arch in the cavity of which are contained the internal sex organs of the woman the pelvis is a bony basin which holds and supports the pelvic organs and is composed of three important parts as follows one the sacrum consisting of five sections of the vertebral column or spine fused together so as to constitute the solid part of the lower spine and the back of the pelvis two the two hip bones one on each side of the pelvis three the pubic arch or the front part of the pelvis formed by the junction of the two hip bones in front attached to the hip bones are the thighs and also the large gluteal muscles which constitute the buttocks or seat the pelvis of the woman is quite different from that of the man it is shallower and wider and lighter in structure than that of the male and the margins of the hip bones are more widely separated thus making the hips of the woman far more prominent than those of the man also the sacrum is shorter than that of the man and the pubic arch wider and more rounded than his this difference in the bony structure is made necessary by the demand for the largest space in the female pelvis required for the purposes of childbirth these differences are not so perceptible in childhood but become marked and pronounced at puberty end of lesson two